Well, good morning, and welcome to Grace Presbyterian. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today, we look at our next chapter in the book of Nehemiah. This chapter has been overlooked by many preachers as a simple recounting of the work done to the walls in Jerusalem. However, rather than skip it in our study, we're going to examine it today to see what God is showing us through the cooperation of Nehemiah's community and how the resurrected walls of Jerusalem can serve as a picture for the work of Christ in our own lives. Thanks for listening. Well, for many, uh, this past weekend marks the end of a long summer soccer season for our children. It was a tournament weekend, and as we cheered on our team, uh, my boy plays in the third and fourth grade uh, level, and I, I was watching to see as to the strategy for some of these teams. Because one of the things you'll notice with soccer is that everybody plays a role. Everybody's got a specific uh, position that has specific responsibilities that they need to man. But generally, on one team, you'll find that there is somebody who is a little weaker than the rest. And I'm looking at the strategy thinking, if I was the coach, I'd be exploiting that weakness. Right? You'd go after the one who wasn't quite as good. Now, uh, for the third and fourth graders, it's not all about the wins. It's about having fun and participating. But there was something else that I noticed as I watched the kids, which was as these uh, weak uh, players that weren't quite as good as the rest uh, began to be, be exploited, you would find players in other positions who would come and help. They would come and they would fill in the ranks. And uh, it was such that you'd have forwards playing all the way back near the goal as defenders and uh, some defenders moving all the way up the field to help chase the ball down. Sometimes even, in fact, finding one of those people uh, to go the full length of the field and score a goal. Because what they did is they, they built up where the others were lacking. It was an amazing picture. It was a picture of a community. It was a picture of a team, just like a sports team, like Tom was sharing in baseball. Have you heard the phrase before, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link? Yeah. But what if the chain had the ability to fill in for the other links? What if every link in the chain knew their specific role, knew their task, what they were asked to do, and not only so, but knew those around them so that together the chain would become stronger. I think this is a picture of what the church has the privilege of doing. That within the body of Christ, there is a diversity of purposes. Did you hear Kayla this morning? She said that everyone has a job, everyone has a purpose, and God doesn't do anything without having a purpose. She shared how you don't need to have a college degree or training that everybody on her team had a role to play. Now, there's a passage out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 I want to share with you. I have it up here on the screen. It says, Paul writes this, uh, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Do you see the rhetorical question over and over? What's the answer Paul's fishing for, it, for them? No. That there's diversity, and yet within that diversity, there's unity so that it's built up. In the same way that if everybody sang the same part in the choir, it probably would sound a little uh, lopsided. But when everybody fills their own role, it sounds beautiful. There was a saying I learned back when I was growing up. 
in church that said all God's children have a place in the choir. Some sing low and some sing higher. Some sing out loud on the telephone wire and some just clap their hands. (laughs) You see, everybody's got a role, though. Everybody has a role to play. I like you to take your finger like this. Everybody take your finger. Point it right here and say, I have a role to play. Say it. I have a role to play. See how Paul starts this? Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. I've entitled this message uh, as we're walking through Nehemiah uh, for the contribution of the community. And as we're kind of picking up on this idea and this uh, theme of community through the book of Nehemiah, uh, we're going to see how they came together, uh, both knowing their own role had to know the role that they had to play, but then how they could fill in the gaps and help make up for the rest of the community around them. We're going to be in chapter 3. I'd like to ask if you turn there with me, and you're going to have to, you're going to, have to follow along. Um, here's the reason why. Uh, the passage that we're looking at this morning is one that even in a lot of commentaries is completely skipped over. They skip over chapter 3. And the reason they do so is because they think it's more of a formality that Nehemiah is just listing all these names. And the reason why you need to follow along is because you're going to fall asleep if you don't follow along. So I've got to ask you to follow along. And we're, going to, we're just going to read through it in chapter 3. And then we're going to look at five key observations. And then we're going to be through for this morning. Okay? Nehemiah chapter 3. 752. Page 752 in our pew hymnals. <clears throat> Verse 1. Eliashib the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Haniel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hazanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and its bolts and its bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshullam, son of Berechiah, and the son of Meshezebel made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Baana, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders into the work under their supervisors. The Jezana gate was repaired by Joiada, son of Passier, and Meshullam, son of Besediah. They laid its beams and they put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by the men of Gibeon and Mizpah. Melatiah of Gibeon and Jadon of Maranathah placed under the authority of the governors of Trans-Euphrates. Uziel, son of Harhiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section. And Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Raphia, son of Hur, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Judea, son of Haramath, made repairs opposite his house. And Hattashash, son of Hashabnia, made repairs next to him. Melchijah, son of Harim, and Hashab, son of Pathath Moab, repaired another section and the tower of the ovens. Shalom, son of Herohesh, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. The valley gate was repaired by Hanun and the residents of Zenoah. 
They rebuilt it and they put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. They also repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. I feel like I need to read that again. (laughs) They repaired a thousand cubits of the wall. So I kind of rushed over that, but that ought to slow down. A thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Verse 14. The dung gate was repaired by Melchijah, son of Rechab, ruler of the district of beth Karim. He rebuilt it and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. The fountain gate was repaired by Shalun, son of Colhosea, ruler of the district of Mizpah. He rebuilt it, roofing it over and putting its doors and bolts and bars in place. He also repaired the wall at the pool of Siloam by the king's garden as far as the steps going down from the city of David. Beyond him, Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, ruler of a half district of Bethzer, made repairs up to a point opposite the tombs of David as far as the artificial pool and the house of the heroes. Next to him, the repairs were made by the Levites under Rahum, son of Bani. Beside him, Hajhabiah, ruler of a half-district of Kileh, carried out repairs for his district. Next to him, the repairs were made by their fellow Levites under Benui, son of Henadad, ruler of the other half-district of Kilah. Next to him, Ezer, son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section. From a point facing the ascent to the armory as far as the angle of the wall, next to him, Baruch, son of Zabbai, zealously repaired another section. From the angle of the entrance of the house of Eliashib, the high priest, and next to him, Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakkaz, repaired another section from the entrance of Eliashib's house to the end of it. The repairs next to him were made by the priests from the surrounding region. Beyond them, Benjamin and Hashub made repairs in front of their house. And next to them, Azariah, son of Maasiah, the son of Ananiah, made repairs beside his house. And next to him, Benui, son of Hanadad, repaired another section from Azariah's house to the angle and the corner. And Palal, son of Uziah, worked opposite uh, the angle and the tower projecting from the upper palace near the court to the guard. Next to him, Padiah, son of Parush, and the temple servants living on the hill of Alphil made repairs up to the point opposite the water gate towards the east and the projecting tower. Next to them, the men of Tekoa repaired another section from the great projecting tower to the wall of Alphil. Above the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. Next to them, Zadok, son of Emer, made repairs opposite his house. Next to him, Shemaiah, son of Shechaniah, the guard of the east gate, made repairs. Next to him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zelaph, repaired another section. And next to them, Mashalom, son of Berechiah, made repairs opposite his living quarters. Next to him, Melchijah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants. Opposite the inspection gate. And as far as the room above the corner and between the room above the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants made repairs. (laughs) Chapter 3 of Nehemiah. Uh, Do we believe that every word of Scripture is inspired by God? Do we believe that? Absolutely. Uh, Can't skip over this section. Uh, A lot of 
$10 names in this section, right? Really hard to pronounce ones. And a lot of kind of geography, like talking uh, as it's going along. Um, if you have a study Bible, you might be able to find a map uh, in there that shows just the structure of the walls of Jerusalem. And basically what uh, Nehemiah is doing is he's recounting the entire story of the rebuilding process in a counterclockwise fashion. Going around talking about each gate at each section and who it was that was involved in the repairs. Quite a building project. Can you imagine? Rebuild. Imagine if this was your job. Rebuild all of the walls not surrounding your property. Anyone ever put up a fence? That'll take all day, right? Your back's going to hurt when you're done with that. Not your property. The entire city. Really an impossible task. I'd like us to look at just five things, starting with a couple of questions. Number one, how do you manage an impossible task? How could you possibly get this job done? And here's the word I want to share with you. It's delegation. That's how. You, you want to know how you do the impossible? You don't try to carry it on your own shoulders. Here's the quote I put up there. Break it down in order to what? Build it up. Break it down in order to build it up. Um, you'll notice even as you walk through chapter 3 that time and time again the entirety of the chapter is broken apart by the sections. Each of the gates had a group of people that was helping to repair it. Uh, my dear wife is starting a new position, teaching kindergarten. And as you uh, can imagine, starting a new job, um, she's totally relaxed. There's, there's no stress at all. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. She's uh, going crazy. Uh, not crazy, but you know, she's just really, she's really worked up on making sure that everything's happening. She's overwhelmed. She feels overwhelmed by it. And um, it was kind of wearing out the rest of us until she decided what she had to do was make a list. Does anyone else have to do that? When life just seems overwhelming, you know what you do? You break it down, right? You break it down. Well, I uh, thought, you know, I keep asking her, how can I help? How can I help? And um, one of the best things I can do for her is watch the kids. And so I've been doing that a little bit more. But especially when she has to go shopping, because if you have little kids in a store, it's very hard to do what you need to do with little kids. So I thought, we'll go to the store and you can buy what you need to. And I'll watch the kids. And she said, well, I haven't made my list yet for what I need to. So she had to make a list to make a list. That was the situation that she was in. But she's good now. She feels like she has it under control. Why? Well, because she was able to uh, not necessarily delegate to other people, although uh, I'm helping her with it, but to delegate the responsibilities in bite-sized chunks. To rebuild the walls of Jerusalem is an impossible task. But Nehemiah shows us here that if you want to accomplish an impossible task, step number one, break it down. Learn how to delegate. Don't carry it all on your own shoulders. I mean, we could give testimony after testimony this morning of how you probably have recognized this in your own life, going crazy, trying to do it all myself. And one of the terrible problems that you find within ministry is that usually 80% of the work in church is done by 20% of the people. Um, as I was preparing for this message, I started to go through our directory and start to try to identify what, what's this person doing and what's this person doing and what's this person doing. And you know something? I found that... Uh, we broke the curve that here at Grace, it's about 80% of the people doing 80% of the work. I mean, it's, it's really phenomenal, and we're going to look at that a little bit later. But I want you to see this. The first thing uh, that Nehemiah shows us in recording this chapter, and the reason the Holy Spirit puts this in here, 
is because within leadership and within our own responsibilities, it would be a sin for us to carry it all on our own back and not spread that work around for others to help. So a second, second uh, observation I want us to make here is how do you accomplish something larger than you are able to accomplish because this task is really far greater than he is able to do. A word I want to give you here is cooperation. Cooperation. Have you heard the phrase before, many hands make light work? Many hands make light work? I saw this uh, played out just last month in our uh, fish fry for the community meal. Uh, There was no way that we were able to get that done on our own. Tom, there's no way we were able to do that. Uh, It was only getting Tom's help from over in the Catholic Church and Conrad to come and bring their friars. And together, and Donna was right there, back there as well, that everybody pitched in. And suddenly, the work was light. It wasn't overwhelming because many hands make light work. Uh, There there was something that was repeated uh, 21 times. 21 times in this passage. Here's the phrase. The phrase was, next to him... Did you catch that? Repeat it over and over, chapter 3. And next to him, I want you to look at just a couple of verses. Uh, turn with me to verse 17 and 18 and 19. Just look right here. Verse 17. Next to him, repairs were made by the Levites under Rahum, son of Bani. Beside him, Hajabiah, ruler of half the district of Keilah, carried out repairs for his district. Verse 18, what's it say? And next to him, the repairs were made by the countrymen, un, um, were made by the countrymen under Benui, son of Henadad. Ruler of the other half district of Keilah. What's it say next? Verse 19. Next to him. And if you look down in the next verse, verse 20, how's it start? Next to him, verse 21, how's it start? Next to him, verse 22. There it is, the repairs next to him. Imagine if it was like how my kids so often want to play with their toys. Mine, this is you over there, right? And there isn't this cooperation but there's this segmentation or maybe far worse for us where we start to think well look oh look at the nice job they're doing there looks better than ours imagine if they would have done that imagine if they would have this sense of pride or selfishness that they wanted more of the glory but none of that is recorded in chapter three instead do you know what's recorded shoulder next to shoulder next to shoulder they worked hand in hand they served with one another cooperating with one another. We're going to see how this continues, but cooperation is what's woven 21 times through this chapter. All right, number three, here's our next question. How do you find where you fit into this project or fit into the project? Well, what's my role? Many of you know that we're starting a building project here at Grace. Um, much like Nehemiah in his day was starting a building project. I wonder, what's, what's my role in this? What role could I play? How could I help, right? Uh, here's the word I want you to see. It's participation. Participation. Uh, this is an old saying, but you will fail at 100% of the opportunities you don't take. There are, there are opportunities here at Grace to Serve, but you're going to fail if you don't take them. If you don't jump to the chance to try to help, you won't succeed. I want you to see this. It showed up in chapter 3. It was found in verse 5. Look with me over at verse 5. An interesting passage here. Uh, The next section, in verse 5, the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa. So uh, this city, this uh, village of Tekoa, these uh, had some hardworking men. And uh, they they were the kind uh, that were a lot like... uh, 
Marvin Bro. Marvin, wave your hand there in the back, right? Uh, you give that guy a hammer or a, a tape measure, and he'll stay busy all day long, right? Just love to work, and that's what these guys were like. But keep reading in verse 5. Look what it says. They were repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Did you see that? Anyone ever experience it where it feels like there's some, uh, uh, some loafers on the job site, right? Some guys that are just taking it easy. Notice it's not the workmen here that are taking it easy, but it's the elders. It's the, those overseeing it, right? Well, uh, that's, that work is below us. We really don't want to be involved in it. Um, these nobles here are not participating. So are they going to fail or succeed? You're going to fail because you will fail at 100% of the opportunities that you refuse to take. There's something that's interesting that happens, though, towards the end of this chapter. Look with me uh, over in verse 27 because the guys from Tekoa, they show up again. Verse 27, you see it? Next to them, the men of Tekoa. There they are. Look at these guys. You can't slow them down. They, they, finish, their, they finish their section of the gate. And now look at this. They come all the way over here to another section uh, from the great projecting tower to the wall of Ophel. I wasn't there. You weren't there. Nehemiah was there. And he recorded these guys. Even when they didn't get the help they wanted from their nobles, from the guys that maybe had a little bit more means than them, Nehemiah was watching. You're never going to find your role. You're never going to find the place where you fit in if you don't participate. If you don't take that chance. If you don't take that little step of faith to get involved. And we have a lot of opportunities to get involved. Even as I said in the announcement this morning, starting some child care and small groups are coming up. And I need leadership for both of those. That there are many opportunities to get involved. And if you want to succeed, participation is the key to that. There was another thing that I noticed here. Uh, in, look at verse 28, and, uh, 28, 29, and 30. Um, in these sections, th- there was something else that was kind of woven into the culture. I'll read them again, verse 28. Above the horse gate, the priest made repairs where? Each in front of his own house. Is that interesting to you? Let's keep reading. Next to them, Zadok, son of Imre, made repairs where? Opposite his house. Hmm. You see what's going on here? Uh, jump down a little bit in the end of verse 30. Uh, next to them, Meshullam, son of Barakiah, made repairs where? Opposite his living quarters. You see what's going on? These guys, they saw that the work that was being done wasn't work for someone else. I uh, got to get this done for the church, right? Got to... Got to go do this for those people. Or Pastor Ryan's calling again, right? Got to keep, keep showing up. That's not how they saw it. They saw that this was a participation right in what they had their own stake in. A- anyone um, get tired of the view out of their uh, backyard and may- maybe your spouse keeps saying, Honey, when are you going to fix that? When are you going to clean that up? When is- it's kind of an eyesore, right? Well, imagine you were living next to the gate here in Jerusalem. Wouldn't you want that section of the gate to look more beautiful than anything? Now, we've been blessed to be given a building here, a place to worship God. And there's a lot of needs here. Uh, I, I know uh, Larry would hate for me to say it, but uh, he, being a mason, noticed that there was some cracking that was going on out on our sidewalk coming in. And I drove by a couple of times uh, one day, and I saw his truck parked there, and there he was cleaning that up, making it just right. Now, I didn't ask him to do that. I don't know anybody that asked him to do it. 
but he saw it as part of his own church and took the initiative to get it done. That's participation, church. That's participation. If you want to find out where you fit in, this is the answer. All right, two more questions. Number four, how do you honor the accomplishment of your team? Uh, Nehemiah, the answer was recognition. That, that was how he chose to honor them. I know as we read through this, I, I struggle a little bit with the names and really don't know who these people are. But imagine you lived back then. Imagine this was your grandfather's name. Wouldn't you have pride to know that it was recorded in God's word? That here, it's written down for all time, the work that these people did. The Bible speaks about a book in heaven where, where, the, where the names are written down in the, in the Lamb's book of life. And how God sees everything that's done under the sun. And we will have to give an account one day for what we do. I wonder what will be next to your name. I wonder what it is that you will have accomplished for God. But here the way to pay a tribute. To honor those who accomplished so much. Was to give them recognition. As I was thumbing through our directory. Looking through and trying to list out all that everybody does here. I thought, I think I'll share with the church uh, what everyone does. And then I realized I'm totally going to forget somebody and then I'm going to be in trouble. (laughs) So instead, I think I'd like just to share with you some of the folks that you may never know who are doing things. There's a lot of open ministries and public figures that you'll be able to recognize. But um, I'd like to share with you a few of these names. Marlis and Rudy, they clean the church every week. You might not realize that, but the... The, the beautiful rug that we have up here and the reason the windows are clean is because they stick around and take care of that. Um, who's, who's getting the food for the food pantry? Well, that's Paul and Laura. And every month they're busy putting their hands together to get all the food so that that's taken care of. Where do we get these pretty bulletins that are just handed to us when we walk in the door? Well, that's George and Wendy. Look, hot coffee is always brewing. Every time I walk in the church, the coffee is already brewing. Well, that's either Violet or Marvin. One of the two. Whoever gets there first, I think, makes the coffee there. (laughs) Evelyn, she's always the last to leave for the community meal. She's always cleaning up long after everybody else has left, serving in the nursery. We've got beautiful flowers around our sidewalk into the building. That's Bob and Krista taking care of our grounds. Uh, That the bread and the wine has all been set forth for us on Communion Sunday. All of our deacons serve faithfully there. These candles burn down to next to nothing. I don't know if you ever realized that, but who's repairing new candles? Well, that's Yvonne. And always keeping a close eye on that. Nobody asked her to do that. And so much more. Bonnie and Lois take care of the finances. John and David, they take care of the plowing when it snows. And there's many names I'm sure that I missed. The little moment I have this morning just to offer recognition and appreciation for all that you do, I hope is an honor recognizing that even if no one else here sees it, God sees you. God sees what you do. He will give you the honor far greater than anything I could do. And hopefully on that day, you will return back your praise to him. For really, the fact that we get to serve is a privilege afforded by the blood of Christ, not by anything that we've done. All right, our last question, number five. How do you fix what is broken? There was one word that was repeated more than any other word in chapter three. It was the word repair. 38 times. And so the word I want to give you here is resurrection. Resurrection. In the same way in which Jerusalem was broken. Now hear me now because I'm wrapping stuff up. All right, listen here. You are broken. You and I are broken. 
And we're in need of repair. Do you remember when we read through chapters 1 and 2 when they talked about the gates? They said that they were burned with fire. You remember that? Burned with fire. The point being there was nothing left, right? You could put the walls back up, but there was nothing left on the gate. Repeated time after a time, six times in this passage. You can find it in verse 13 and 14 uh, pretty succinctly, but a phrase is given. It's that they put the doors and the bolts and the bars in place. Do you remember hearing that through chapter 3? They put the doors and the bars and the bolts in place. You couldn't repair those things. You had to get new ones. You had to get brand new ones. And for every single one of us here this morning that know Jesus Christ as our Savior, your old heart has been taken away and you have been given a brand new one. The Holy Spirit has come to make you new. There was a passage that Kayla shared, and uh, it, it was the one that I want to share with you as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, my favorite piece of scripture. I, I'm so grateful. That was your mantra through your service, right? From now on, we regard nobody from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ this way. He says in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a what? Come on, say it loud. He's a what? He is a new Creation. Jerusalem got new gates. They got new doors. They got new bars. They got new bolts all put into place. And by the work of Jesus Christ Church, I want you to hear this morning that you are new as well. And yet there's still part of this story left to be told. Though our spirits will never die because we know Jesus Christ. What about these bodies? Right? They're still part of this earth and they are yet to be remade. Therefore, you and I, we look for, and the great hope of the church is to wait and look for resurrection when Jesus Christ will return and when we will be made new. A friend of mine this morning told me that she had to put her dog down this last week. That's the worst. It's just the worst. And the only thing I could hope to tell her is that the word of God teaches that he will make all things new. Whatever you've lost here on this earth, you will be given back again in eternity. And the promise from God is that he will make you know, new. He will make all things new. So I have just a few questions to conclude this morning. You've got to ask yourself, what's your role? Could you answer that question? What's my role? I watched my son play goalie. I watched him play forward. I watched him play midfield. That was his role. But then the second question is just as important. How are you filling in the gap for others? And just like a soccer team needs everybody to contribute, even when others are weak, are you ready to help? Are you ready to step up when the need arises? Thirdly, where are you honoring those who serve? I found that as my wife has been uh, working harder at her new job, I've been watching the kids, which is super hard. It's just easier for women. I'm convinced of that. It's easier because men... This is scientific now. Men are allergic to diapers. That's scientific. I had to tell her. I said, honey, I need you to just let me know you're thankful for me a little bit more. I just need to hear it a little bit more because I'm getting stressed out. And she does. And she, she has. She's been telling me, thank you for watching the kids. Thank you for... Helping out. And I appreciate you. And you want to know something? That moment where I kind of feel like I'm a little worn out here. I've been with the kids all day long and I'm going crazy and I got to do all this other stuff. Um, as soon as she's saying thank you, as soon as she says I appreciate you, I kind of feel like I got wind, wind under my wings again. And I, keep, I can keep going. 
Can is that ever happen with you when you just get a little appreciation when you hear thank you, I appreciate you, how much it feels like I can keep going even if the job is hard, I can keep going. How are you honoring those who serve? Try that this week. Try offering just a thank you. Find someone you've never thanked before in this church. Some of these unsung heroes that aren't up front. And just tell them this morning, I just want to thank you for all that you do. I promise you this, it will help them to keep going. And then my last question for you is this. Are you living your life right now preparing for resurrection? Are you watching for Jesus' return? Like the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down, each of us has been broken down. And though we've been given new hearts, we still look for the resurrection of the body. And so let us, as we continue to serve here in community and in unity, let us watch as those who are prepared for the return of our King. Amen?